everyone. Welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Um, If you are interested in getting your book reviewed in a very professional manner, um, I'd like to point you to Facebook, to the Book Review Crew, where not only will you receive an objective and a subjective uh, interview. Your books will also have a buy link. Your name will be tagged, and your publisher will be tagged. Um, the organic reach for that group, which is part of the Authors on the Air Globe Radio Network, is anywhere from 1,500 to 48,000 organic likes for one post. So um, go check it out if you love to read. That's a really good place to see what books are out there. My guest today is a dear friend of mine. Lanny Larsenies is a transplanted Midwesterner to Philadelphia, where he's been writing crime fiction for about seven years now. Um, his new book, A Death in the Family, is out and has been reviewed by the book review staff and given a highly recommended five-star review. Um, when he's not writing, his, his daughter Amanda kind of charms him out of his socks, his money, and whatever else she wants. And his, li- yeah. <laughs> and his lifelong companion is an artist named Jackie, uh, who is the very first reader for any of his work. Um, Lanny is also very, very active in the writing community. He supports those um, behind him on the curve and is deferential to those ahead of him whose inspiration and mastery of the craft are a constant uh, source of stimulation and inspiration. He claims he gets jealous easily. I don't believe it. He's also here to tell us about the Crime Writers Caravan, and we're going to talk about his new book. Lanny, welcome to Authors on the Air. It's nice to talk to you, my friend. Thank you, Pam. It's it's nice to be here again, dear. I love talking to you all the time because you're very insightful about just about anything that I crazily post on my um, on my Facebook page. Although I have to admit, you were so, oh so wrong about Kevin Cosner. So um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was I was I was called out by Dana King on that one. By da- by Dana exactly. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. I would know about Tombstone because my heart throb and and really I'm the second wife to his longtime first wife um, is Sam Elliott and so I knew that Tombstone was Sam Elliott in Kurt Russell's movie and well, so well, um, well now listen about Sam Elliott I'm going to get just a little better. bit jealous that you should know I just bought a new pair of cowboy boots really so I'm hoping that does the trick you hear what I'm saying. But you know, Lenny, I have five pairs of cowboy boots, including red lizard skin, and oh. that ain't getting you anywhere unless your mustache and your voice are just like Sam. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> I know you've got a nice-looking stash, but let me tell you something. Sam Elliott's done it for me. He's, you know, he's he talks and women's panties just melt off. And, and animals don't move, you know, they, they stop, they're growling and barking and meowing. And I mean, he's just like the be all end all. I'm, I'm sorry. I am. I'm a he, when it comes to that. He, he, he's, a, <laughs> he, he's a pretty cool guy. Okay. There's no question. Even I he love really Sam is. Elliott. Gosh. And someone said, who, who's the big Lebowski? And they posted yeah, Sam's yeah. picture on my page. I said, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what's well, wrong with you? I had to, I, I sort of vacillate between identifying with, with Sam Elliott and the dude. Well, 
See? I'm like somewhere in between those two things. There you go. There you go. I mean, mm. and if, if listeners don't know who the dude is, I'm sorry, but, you know. So let's talk. You know, Lenny, I know your books because I've read them and we've talked about them before. I don't know what you did before you took up crime writing. Um, Pam, my, my, most of my adult background was mm-hmm. really as a business person in various iterations of business, including working for corporations and hanging out my own shingle and investing in real estate and, uh, as I said, a number of iterations. But until I sat down and start and began to write, um, I was basically a uh, a business guy. But I'm also uh, a city guy, meaning. In a in four or five cities I've lived in, I've lived like right in the city and still do, and uh-huh. so I have this like urban person mentality uh, that renders me automatically um, a little oriented or awareness of crime, and mm-hmm. also the businesses I've was in, I ran into a few such guys. You know, right. So uh, when I sat down to write, I, I think the, the whole crime writing thing just w- was like a natural for me. Did it feel like your second skin finally? Oh, oh, absolutely. Oh, I, I, so, so listen, I, I'm so totally obsessed with it that you know, I mean, I'll jump out of bed at two a.m. because I thought of an adjective. Wow. You know, yeah, cool. really. I mean, oh no, it's like. Uh, it's, it's, but 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 guess what? It's it's really a labor of love, and at I'm my sure age, is. at my age, which is you know a uh, certainly the last quintile of my life, happy and energetic though it may be, um, it, it's it's like it's almost I feel as if it, it's it's a blessing to have sort of serendipitously stumbled into a creative. Uh, artistic endeavor mm-hmm. and since like I don't play golf or deal well with leisure time you know right uh it was it's just a, a just a magnificent thing t- to have happened to me I think it's terrific um you know I think it's interesting that there are very few people I've met who've actually known that they were going to be a writer and got out of school and said this is it. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a writer. Lisa Unger is one of them. She, she said she always knew, always knew that she would do nothing else. And from the time she got out of high school and submitted her first book and was published, she's not done anything else. So, you know, I I think that's terrific. I myself was a geriatric rehab therapist (laughs) and owned a big medical supply company. And then, um, then I was a, a certified advocate, as you know. I, I advocate on behalf of women and children who yeah. are injured in, in, in interpersonal violence. I but know, yeah. This, this is kind of like just, you know, a hobby for me, and um, and it's really amazing. Now we are, we have twenty shows. We're heard in forty countries, and I love it. I can't oh. think of anything else I'd rather do. And and really and and God bless you for being there for we writers, but you know of there's course. another there's another aspect too in my personal life, Pam, and that is that I really ha- always was inclined to be an expressive person. So huh. you know I, I have an Italian American heritage, and 
and uh, it's like we invented opera. You hear what I'm saying? So it's yes, like, you know. So yeah, uh, and 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 actually, you spend five minutes with me, you'll see me flailing my arms all around and spitting, and you know, just trying to get words out all the time. <laughs> and even in my letters uh, throughout my lifetime, even in my personal letters, I never wrote, you know, a, a one-page "The weather's nice, how are you doing?" letter. My letters were always, you know, 14 pages and pouring out my heart and examining every damn thing, you know. So there was that expressive, um, that that compulsion to express myself that also, uh, I think, fed quite a bit into uh, my my naturally evolving into a writer. Is it, you know, I want to take a kind of pull that thread a little bit. I love writing letters. I love writing letters, and I think it's a damn shame that kids these days don't know how to write just cursive writing and can never imagine putting words on a paper, sealing it in an envelope, licking it closed, sticking on a stamp and address, and mailing it to someone. I I just um, – I think it's a lost art form, don't you? Well, it's not, it's not only – well, yeah, but it's not only the, the, the mechanics of, of doing it. It's it's also a comfort level with the inner landscape. Yes, you know it's what I mean. It's a very personal and, form of communication. And and not only being not only uh, being comfortable with your inner landscape, but desirous of or or a corresponding feeling that I have something to say and I need for you to know me, and this is the way you will know me. You know, there's that compulsion that goes along with it so it's both both letter writing itself but it also uh the willingness and desire to to really want to communicate yes now you know um, now now jackie uh, uh-huh. my girlfriend of like 30 some years uh jackie is a, an artist she's a painter and she's a very visual person and she is compelled to both express herself as well as see the world uh, in visual kind of terms. In her right. case, you know, painterly, painterly kind of terms, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, but that's also uh, just another aesthetic, aesthetic way of of uh, communicating. But I know a lot of people that I would love to hear how they feel about things, what they think about things, their opinions, and and exchange with them on that level. But not everybody's comfortable. Not everybody's comfortable doing it. Well, it's true. Um, even as a kid, when we'd go on family vacation someplace, yeah. I would be the one to come back with like five names and addresses from each yeah. place and write yeah, letters all the I time know. back and forth, for years and years yeah. and years. You know, until you we were like adults, and then it was everybody moved on. But yeah, for years, yeah. I corresponded. I met people through letter writing, and, and I mean, visited them and all. It, to me, it's a very personable and friendly form of communication versus yeah. sitting down and sending an email or Absolutely. posting on social media. You know, you have to really think about your words. You don't backspace. You yep. can't erase it yep. or anything. So, uh, yeah, are were you always a big reader too, Lanny? 
I'm sorry, Pam, say again. Were you always a big reader when you were oh, growing oh, up? Oh, oh, yeah. No, no, not always, uh, you know, throughout my life, not always fiction. Uh, you know, there were long periods of time when I read a lot of, a lot of nonfiction. You know, I, I'm a man of uh, serial compulsions, and mm-hmm. every compulsion I have is capable of lasting eight, nine, ten, ten years at a time. Right. So right. it might express itself like in reading, reading biographies or, uh, right. or you know, reading political stuff. Or I'll get hooked on some fiction author and just read that person. You now reading right. crime or or whatever you know. So right. yeah, I, I I've certainly always have even from the time I was a little kid. I mean, my mother. Uh, she, my, my mother was the reader in the family, and of course she she liked to read, you know, bodice rippers. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah, but you know, nevertheless, it it got me hooked. And my brother, my older brother, taught me to read comic books. It it it, 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 it you know he's the one who taught me to read, and it was comic wow. books. And you know, and then watching my mother read. So absolutely, we were. Uh, you know, my dad. He just like he just read the Wall Street Journal all damn day. You know. Right. right. You know, but my, he my read. Fa- you know, nevertheless. My father you know. read the newspaper and did the crossword puzzle in ink. My mom, however, never read a romance. She only read thrillers, suspense, mysteries, and she used to get like the Reader's Digest condensed books that she yeah. belonged to, like the I club or something. Those, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so we had all those on bookshelves everywhere, and, and so anything that was up there, I read. We were not allowed to read comic books, though. Oh, uh, no I, for some, re- yeah, some reason my mom thought that those would like you know warp our minds or something. Well, you know, little did she know that was out of her control. But and I, I still don't re- read graphic novels or comics, although I know they're ve- they're even more popular now than they were when I was a kid. So um, and popular with adults, and so. You know, hey, great. I will tell you the honestly, the probably the greatest writer of all time that everybody swears knows how to tell a story, Stephen King. I have right. never read one of his books because I'm scared to death of horror. So, um, <laughs> no, no. Listen, when Bella Lugosi and Vincent Price used to be on, you know, black and white TV and yeah, all their stories, yeah. that the stuff would scare the right. bejesus out of me. Yeah, I, I yeah. never could watch it. I'd I'd be under my bed hiding. It's the stuff scared me. So I can't go to haunted houses or anything like that. So, so I readily admit that yes, he is one of the greatest writers of all times. But I've never read one of his books. Well, you know, I'm sorry, Pam. Go on. No, go ahead. No, continue. No, that touches on an interesting point to me because uh, even in uh, writing fiction. you know, uh, oftentimes, especially uh, a, a a crime writer, in a particular kind of crime I write, mm-hmm. um, sometimes you want to access, uh, you create a character who represents the very worst of human existence, yes. you know. And, and as a writer, you, you, you take pause, you know, you're not necessarily writing to to a reader's comfort levels, but you also don't want to write anything so damn disgusting or so damn awful, or as you just described about Stephen King, so fearful that they don't want to read it. Right. Know? So, you know, and and I think, that, you know, of course, in, in the case of a horror writers, I mean, that's what they do. It's like they scare people. Right. You know, right. you know, 
you know, my kind of crime writing is you have to be careful. You don't disgust people. Sure. And, and I also feel that way about cartel books. So, um, I, because they're so vicious and, you know, I grew up in Miami where drugs, you know, the, the cocaine cowboys were, were king. I mean, they made a TV series, you know, I heard a rumor to that effect. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I lived down the street when the FBI agents were gunned down, you know, wow. chasing after drug deal- bank robbers and drug dealers. So, Boy. you know, uh, yeah, so it's too graphic for me. And yeah. um, but I know it's real, even though it's fiction. I know it's based on reality. So not my favorite stuff to read. However, Death in the Family, to me, was a really great read. It's not long. It wasn't convoluted. It was the exact bite of crime fiction that I love. Um, you've got not hate, hateful characters that are, don't, are not without some side of them that's decent, you know. But, yeah. but they, they are very realistic to me. Your characters are very authentic. So, um, so let's talk about A Death in the Family. Let sure. listeners know a little bit about it, okay? Repeat that last sentence for me, Stan, let, let 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 listeners the elevator pitch for A Death in the Family. Yeah, Death in the Family. And, and by the way, it, it's a different book from my last book, I Detest it All is. My Sins. I Detest All My Sins went uh, deeper into the some of the dregs of uh, humanity that I was just referencing. Yes. Death in the Family is more of a conventional uh Although certainly in some ways conventional kind of mob story, it's about yes. a young it's about a young talented guy uh, that due to circumstances he finds himself kneeling uh, uh, needing to deal with a mob, and he he does it sort of in a surprising way you know using his intelligence. Um, uh, but there's all that's the surface story, but there's also a sub story, if you will, or a second layer of story. Uh, uh, he, he, he also has a uh, he also suffers from feelings of unrequited love with his mother. And um, and as a matter of fact, um, the the mob level of the story and the emotional unrequited love uh, part of the story. Those two stories converge when his father gets murdered and he's urged by his mother to uh, get vengeance. And in trying to investigate um, who killed his father and and why is when he first begins dealing with a mob. Uh, now, by the way, I, I, I sort of don't want to reveal the end of the story because... It, no, and I don't want you to. It, it, it was like crafted on purpose to be the way it is, although... Not necessarily with a sequel in mind, but it probably lends itself to that. Uh, but at any rate, um, and then the the unrequited uh, uh, the the emotional agenda part of the story. Uh, he finally becomes integrated regarding that thing, and by the end of the story, um, he thinks about his mother, who's now deceased. He thinks about her that uh, regarding his father that. She should always have known that I was the better man. Now, interesting, as compared to his father. Now, I'll leave any kind of uh, Oedipal 
implications for the reader. Well, I was just going to say, it sounds like an Oedipus complex to me, but what do I know? You know, look, look. you know, you know, familial, uh, like I'm not to uh, shrink, you know, uh, but but familial um, dynamics are very complex. Yes, they uh, are. I did not I did not dwell on the Freudian aspects of the sure. damn thing. There's just an sure. occasional occasional reference he has these feelings, you know, and a lot of people, a lot of the people in their family lives, you know, have uh, have um, Feelings about Com- the way they were treated or not treated right. by one parent or another or both. Correct. Right. So I, 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 wanted to tap, I wanted to tap into that and make it more than just a mob story. So you tapped into kind of borderline Oedipus complex. Sort of, yeah. How do you how do you formulate a plan for your books? Um, are you thinking about first a storyline or are you thinking about a character or is it not exclusive one is one to the other no i always uh, in any story i write i always begin with a, a character first there there's a character that character is going to have and usually we're talking a male uh, a man mm-hmm. and he will have some flaw uh, uh it could be an emotional flaw it couldn't be a circumstantial kind of flaw of, of some kind, but he's got mm-hmm. some kind of major obstacle that he needs to overcome. And then uh, once I know, and, and then I'll usually have, I begin with a character. I, I have a I have a, a view of the long arc. I sort of know how I want it to end up, but in between, I'm a total pantser. I write by the seat of my pants. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I try to think, you know, knowing uh, my character and, and some of the characteristics I imbue him with, I now uh, think of uh, plot circumstances or events uh, which will tend to bring out those things. Then I decide, how am I going to get him into trouble? Then I decide, how am I going to get him into more trouble yet? Then I decide, how am I going to get him into more trouble yet? And yeah. sort of like keep doing that. Right, right. So that, that's, and, really... and I, that's a really great thing. Do you consider your crime fiction to be noir? I, I consider myself a, uh, you know, I consider myself myself noirish, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I don't always write in a hard-boiled style. Although sometimes I, depending on the character, I might write in a hard-boiled style. Sure. But uh, but you know, I've been I've been on a uh, a, a blog tour uh, recently, you know, appearing in on a couple dozen blogs. And mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the bloggers ask questions about your writing and and so forth, and I have been uh, telling everybody that wants to know that um, that to me noir writing is a function of I, I liken it to like the blues. That's... It's like the blues is really a feeling. If yes. you're singing the blues or writing the blues or playing the blues, it comes from a feeling. And noir yes. writing or noirish writing, like I do, comes from a feeling. Uh, so, is, so because I, because I harbor care, right? that yeah. frame of mind and those kinds of feelings, yeah, I, 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 I'm, 
And also, it comes from a fundamental belief that um, life is a struggle. I mean, I mean, I mean, yep. if, if if we are alive, we have to work hard for the money. Yeah. And everybody has to deal with that. And we have private feelings that we're happy that nobody knows about, but they're perfectly normal, like tribalistic feelings, and which by the way, is a two-edged sword. Uh, we we, sure. we have those kind of feelings because they have survival value. On the other yes. hand, when they're carried too far, it becomes counterproductive, right? So Correct. therefore, we we struggle now. I, it's normal for me to have these feelings. How do I deal with them now? What do I do about them? And that kind of inner conflict, that kind of struggle, uh, to me, is like the stuff of uh, the kind of writing I, I like to do. Yes, it's very character driven for sure. Um, it's yeah. the way the character re- reacts or acts to the scenario that you present him with. So I understand yeah. exactly what you're saying. And to me, that's the best kind of writing. If I'm not invested in a character, whether they're the protagonist or the antagonist, it, it doesn't matter. I, I need to I need to see their POV regardless. I don't have to agree with what they're doing, but I have to know what their POV is. Um, yeah, well, you know, Pam, I, I, I just, uh, I, I, I have a phrase that's really tattooed on my mind, and that is that even struggle is holy, meaning that in some way, on some level or another, over something or another, most of us uh, are struggling every day uh, to to not only survive, but to thrive, right? I agree with you 100%. So it's like I, I, I'd love to tap into that stuff. Yeah, I don't know anyone who says, okay, I'm, I've reached this place of 100% contentment or stasis. I'm, I don't need to do anything else. I'm right here, and nothing is going to go wrong again. And so anybody who lives in, in that city, I want to know about it and the map to get there because I don't think it really exists, but that's between you and me. Um, well, you know, well, well, yeah. well, you know, all the, you know, all that stuff I just described makes me really fun to, to party with. <laughs> you know? Sure. Yeah, that's like, I'm, I hear you. It's, it's like, I'm really a pain in the ass to have a beer with. It's like, you know, no, no, I, and I, I think that's great. I want to move on because I don't want to, I don't want to shortchange you because sure. you are doing something really interesting and very exciting, at least in my opinion, and I think it will be for others. You have begun something called the Crime Writers Caravan. Right. It is based on a collective of published crime writers right. who are conversive in the craft and passionate about the subject matter and eager to talk about it. Where you and, and you represent all the variables of, of, of fiction, m- crime fiction, mystery, suspense, cozy, yep. uh, noir, procedural, yep. whatever it happens to be. And you are looking for like minded writers to come on board the caravan. And right, right now, you're just looking for people between Philadelphia and New York. Right. The, uh, tell us about what you will do as the crime writers caravan. The Crime Writers Caravan is, in effect, like a speaker's bureau for uh, crime writers, and my intention is to connect um, the kind of crime writer presenter that I'm looking for, and and I'll Mm -hmm. elaborate on that in a second. 
to to create a cadre of such uh, writers and create opportunities for them for uh, talking about not only their craft but their writing journey themselves at uh, libraries, bookstores, and other venues that uh, might be interested in uh, uh, such a panel uh, as, as part as, as part, for example, of a uh, of, of a presentation that they want to put on, um, the kind of writer that I'm looking for. Now, you know, I, I have been on panels with writers who are uh, certainly talented and New York Times bestsellers and so forth. And by the way, wonderful people and friendly and warm people. But but on panels in presenting publicly, uh, it wasn't always robust. So what I'm looking for is I'm looking for really robust people, passionate people, people who love to talk about their writing, talk about themselves, talk about how they create art and effect. And because my objective is is not a pedagogical one where prime writers will try to educate people as to what it's about as much as to be entertaining. And I think mm-hmm. to be to be entertaining when we're talking, when we're writers talking about writing and, and so forth, to be entertaining, it really helps to share part of ourselves and what our lives are like as yes. writers and yes. what it's like to try to write, write a damn novel. Right. Which is, by the way, it is- hard. It's very hard, I would imagine. You know, yeah. people have often said to me, "Why don't you write a book? Because you read so much." I I was thinking about this tonight while I was while I was preparing for our interview, and I thought, yeah. I can't do. I I don't. I would not even know where to begin. I don't have an idea. I don't have a character, and maybe yeah. it's because I'm so immersed in reading other people's work that I truly have no desire to try to write a book. And, um, you know, I have a good imagination. It's not that. And I can immerse myself into a story, whether it's crime fiction or fantasy, paranormal, science fiction, romance. I can read all the different genres and really enjoy most of it. Uh, but I, I, I couldn't write a book. And, you know, I've sat in on plenty of master classes and got, I go to all the conferences, the big conferences could never do it so I um i i think it's a, a labor of love and i that's why i always say writers are my celebrities you know well, i don't well pam, pam but you know but do you express yourself the way you do i mean well to, yeah yeah i, I, I have I, other I, talents and, and, i have and, other and, talents besides besides writing a book you know <laughs> no you know i, I was just going to say but i don't i'm by that, I don't just mean verbally you express yourself, but I mean the way you express your life, the way you Thank express you. your what what you do for writers, uh, your your um, your your qualities as a hostess and a and a and a and a promoter of, of the literary arts. I mean that's the oh, way Pam you. Stack expresses herself. Well, you might be right about that. I mean, I do other things, but um, writing is not one of them. I've never, I mean, I wrote a two-paragraph, kind of two-paragraph little short story about a domestic violence survivor, because as you well know, and most of my listeners know that too, I am a survivor of domestic violence, and it's very much shaped my life and um, helped me 
provided me a direction to go yeah. and made me stronger sure. and everything else. But, sure. um, but it, you know, I don't have any desire to write a book about it. <laughs> I mean, I published one, but I didn't write one. So yeah. uh, I it's not even a challenge for me. So I, I can tell you that I, it's not a challenge, but I admire what you're doing. And here's the thing. I think if people understood crime writers Kevin and how integral it is to people who want a, to learn about different writers, they yeah. would be signing up in droves. I, I was at my local Barnes and Noble today talking to the right. store manager and he was saying, you know, I was saying to him, you you need people who are book knowledgeable who are going yeah. to say, well, if you like James Patterson, let yeah. me introduce you to a new writer. Because yep. the average reader sticks with the same maybe five writers, yeah. and they don't venture out and try new writers. Mm. So, um, and he said, yes, that's what I want. I I we need to have a store full of employees that are readers so they can do that. And, um, and that's what I try to do with this show. I think that um, I don't care how one is published, whether it's self-published, whether, really? I mean, I yep. interviewed a guy who did a book on Twitter, who did a Twitter book. Yeah. You know, he wrote his book on 140 characters per tweet and wow. it was very, very interesting. Yeah. So that's, I think really important because, even the big five do not have budgets to send people out on book tours and to keep marketing them over and over again. So I know it's, it's important for crime writers who are naturally a very cordial uh, group, but to support their, their contemporaries as well. It's like, so it's like, I, it's like I, yeah. I, I, I really like love them. Uh, but let me add something important though about crime writers caravan. And that is I'm doing this at my expense which is not to loud myself, but rather to send a signal that uh, it's not going to cost anybody to belong to this collective, as I describe it. It's a collective of crime writers. I just happen to be the project leader for the moment, um, but I will do the advertising at my own expense. Uh, are any venues we manage to uh, secure for engagements? Uh, there will be no charge to them. There will be no kind of – the only caveat uh, to the system, as I contemplated, the only caveat will be that whoever the venue is allow our uh, presenters to sell books at the at site. The, at the, uh, right, and that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, you know, I'm here to um, – <laughs> to help however I can. Um, I, I, tell I, I, I'm, so, I'm so grateful for, for not only the help, but the encouragement that you offer yeah, uh, for, no, for Crime my, Writers Caravan. I really am. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, Lanny, tell everyone your website and where they can find you in social media. I am uh, LannyLarsonese.com. Uh, Crime Writers Caravan is CrimeWritersCaravan.com. Um and friend me on social media. There you uh, go. I'm, I'm just a Facebook person. I don't do Twitter. Like I've been telling everybody, I, I've got the cyber sophistication of a medieval nun. Well, well, Kate, Kate Hutcherson and I were talking about that. As a yeah. matter of fact, she texted me today. She said, I need you to talk to Lanny. And I said, I'm giving you his phone number. You can talk to him yourself. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's shook up because she wants you to have more than that. So uh, I'm going to just connect you by email and let her yell at you herself. 
That's nothing I can do about it. And by the way, Kay Hutcherson is our executive director of book reviews. Um, you can find them again on book review crew on Facebook. They're also on Twitter and on Insta. Those are things I don't do. Um, my Facebook is tied into my Twitter, but I, I go there maybe once every three months to look at it and then close it down real fast. Cause it's a scary place for me. <laughs> <laughs> My guest tonight is Lanny Larsonese. The book is fabulous. I, I hope that you take a moment and go and read this book. It is a terrific book. Um, uh, our review team gave, uh, gave Lanny's book, a, um, uh, a Death in the Family, uh, uh, the highest recommendation that they do. Um, it's worth it. It's fun. It's less than 300 pages. You'll read it in a day or a day and a half, and you'll love it. Lanny, thank you so much for coming back. Um, when you get your first group of uh, crime writers, caravan uh, enthusiasts together, you'll please let me know. We have We have 20 people signed on now. But I'm really looking. I'm really looking for a cadre of maybe thirty, thirty to forty to to be able to service the 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 uh, the Mid Atlantic corridor here. Okay, so and, I'm and, going and to Pam, post. And yeah. Pam, listen, I also understand. I sort of opened the show today for uh, uh, for uh, Joe Ede coming on. Oh, he's right? not coming on. He had to postpone. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. hey, listen to Pam's show, everybody. Shall I have Joe Ede on soon? Joe Ede was just on one of our other shows, Crime Corner with Matt Coyle. He was on this past Friday night, so you can go to soundcloud.com forward slash authors on the air and look for that. Um, Joe Hart is on tomorrow night. Um, Gabriel Valjean and Kathleen Kent are on on Wednesday. And then I'm taking a little break and not interviewing. And then next week, um, Brian Friedman is with me, Sue Kelsey, and Liz Pratch, who is um, a literary agent. But I'm so glad you were here, Lanny. Thank you so much for, for coming back to Authors on the Air. And I'm going to call you soon to introduce Crime Writers Caravan, the participants in your program, okay? And Pam, one final time, just thanks for, thanks for everything you do. Thank you so much, Lanny. Have a great evening. Thank okay, you for dear. listening, everybody. And thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you later. Good night. Good night.